Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day that you've given us to come and celebrate together, to celebrate our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the victory that we have in him, this great salvation that we've entered into, to come and to your children and to worship together and to fellowship together and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Lord. Don't let anyone leave here the same. Help us to grow, to take the seed of this word and to deepen to our hearts into good soil. Let it spring forth and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a time in my life when I was hopeless. I didn't have any hope. And like a lot of people, I was very tempted to blame some people for that. I think I came with that disorder, actually. I watched those around me. I was the youngest of five. I thank God for that number five, the number for grace. I was born five, five, sixty-five, the youngest of five. He had to beat me over the head with grace. But I had a family of, well, we were, we, we were a little mixed up, I guess. My great-grandfather was a great man of God, a pastor, and uh, everyone loved and adored him. But somehow... The next couple of generations got away, and then I thought, you know, growing up, that maybe uh, we were related to all the police on the force in town, because they were at all our family functions, but we weren't. But you had alcohol and other things, and and I watched as uh, all the young men in my life that I grew up with continued this uh, victim mentality and uh, it brought on all sorts of other things and I kind of followed suit but you know as long as you are a victim you're never going to be a victor (laughs) and I watched as my cousins died at early ages one after another, and my brother, and others who just didn't do too well. How's that? I was one of those who was kind of gifted in the sense that I had a lot of gifts that God gave me. I threw them away just as quickly as I would develop one, you know. But I had that unique ability to appear as though I was doing okay, but I wasn't, you know. Matter of fact, I would have told you I was a Christian, but I wasn't. I'd been baptized a couple of times, once drunk, and all I got was wet, I guarantee you that. But thanks be to God that one day, When I was just at the end of my hopelessness, I called out to God. Hopelessness is a terrible thing. I was just looking today on 
online and I saw some of the some of the things that about what the world says about hopelessness, how it might be diagnosed. And it talks about how those who feel alienated will get hopelessness, uh, forsaken as if no one loves you. Uh, uninspired is a great cause of hopelessness. Uh, if you're oppressed or limited in some way or uh, many ways, you just you get hopeless. And, you know, when I was out on the streets, that kind of gave you an edge. That's how we like to say it, because if you don't care, you're much more prone to react in a manner which is uh, conducive to survival and winning on the street. If you care, you're going to hesitate. <laughs> That's not a good thing. It's just the reality of things out there. But really, you're dead anyway in your soul, in your relationships, in your purpose from God. And you may be depressed. You may be anxious and have uh, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia. Alcohol and drug use is very often a part of that life. Uh, a history of physical uh, emotional, even sexual abuse. Um, the military, you see a lot of MST and PTSD and uh, TBI. They give name for everything. Hopelessness is at the root of a lot of that. But that day I called to the Lord. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he... He can't see the kingdom of God. I called out to the Lord and he came and saved me. I took that Romans road as it were. Because all people of sin fall short of the glory of God. Every, everybody ever born since Adam and Eve fell in the garden. Adam's corrupted seed was in you. So in a sense you could say the devil made me do it if he hadn't been saved. But after that, you don't have that excuse anymore. But a lot of times, <clears throat> the church looks just like the world, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, who knows how big the real church is? I think, uh, I think it's growing exponentially around the world. I don't know how we're doing here in this country. I think a lot of the... the denominational walls and barriers and, and, and divisions are coming down and then others are being more and more in that direction so that they're easily identifiable as the tares, amen? It's just the times in which we live. The church should not be without hope though, should it? That's the point. As soon as I got saved, for real, and this this will happen to others who might hear this. Probably all of you have already gone through this. But after after that, and you learn to just rest a little bit in His love, in His salvation, then He's going to begin to call you deeper, deeper into discipleship, which is really relationship 
with Him through His Word and fellowship with Him through agency of the Holy Ghost. Amen? And this is a good thing. It's a very needed thing. And there's so many Christians, I just, my heart, my passion is for those Christians. When I, when I came to know the Lord, I was already pretty old. I, I boxed with God. What do you want me for? I'm always going to love you for what you've done for me and serve you in some way. But there's a good church on every corner. And he said, it's not really as it appears, son. Not so much. There are a lot of people that are saved and stuck, aren't there, Ron? But Romans 12, 1 and 2 encourages us. Paul does and. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Let me just look at that quickly for you. This meant a lot to me. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, this is your reasonable service to God based on what He's done for you. And Paul is basically begging us here. The problem... With living sacrifices, as Andrew likes to say, is they keep crawling down off the altar. It's a daily thing. It's a moment by moment thing, really. But it goes on to say in the second verse, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that the testing, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So... I saw that and I realized that it was attainable to know God, to know things about God, to know what God wanted. I like Ephesians 5 and 10. It's just simple and straight to the point in this world of 40 characters or less. Find out what pleases God. The fact that it tells you to do it means that it's, you're, you're able to do it. <laughs> Ephesians 5.10 says that. In your version, it might be a little differently, but that's how it, that's what it says. So I had to learn that I'm a steward of God's grace, that I'm a three-part being. And that what it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It proves that we are three-part beings, just like our God. We are spirit, soul, and body. As a matter of fact, we are a spirit who has a soul, just like God, a mind, a personality, a will, and emotions. And then we're just riding around in this vehicle until we get a brand new one that's incorruptible. But that spirit was perfected at salvation. That old nature was evicted. My spirit's perfected. The Lord came in and sealed that perfected spirit with His spirit incorruptible. One third of my salvation done. Now my soul, this mind, this thinking that's been programmed with all the garbage of the world... For all these years, that didn't get changed in the twinkling of an eye. He's calling us deeper. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Find out what pleases God. I, I see in Titus 2, 11 and 12 that the grace of God, that which I'm a steward of, right? It has appeared that offers salvation to all men. It offers and it teaches us 
some things, doesn't it? To say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So, this new life comes with some things. Things I couldn't understand presently when I was seeking them, but I was willing and I was eager to learn. Second Peter, in the first chapter, he tells us that grace and peace can be multiplied to us. Well, I knew enough to know that I like grace. And, I, and peace is something that I really, really had never known. And I wanted it badly. And if it could be multiplied to me, I wanted to know how. And I found out it's through the knowledge of God. It's through coming to know Jesus. To know about Him. And then I see in that same passage of Scripture, 2 Peter 1, verses 2 through 8, that it's already a done deal. He talked about it in past tense. And this is where it's so important that we understand that we're three-part beings because we look in the mirror, we realize that we still have some stinking thinking and some things going on in our lives that, that are tormenting us. And, and even though we're, we're created and we're a brand new creature, old things are gone, behold, all things have become new. It's like, well, heck, it didn't work on me then. Yes, it did. It's just that now you're renewing your mind. Your soul is being transformed. Come into agreement with that spirit which is already perfected, the mind of Christ, which is in you. All of the peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control you ever need is already in you, full-blown, full-grown. And you have the same measuring cup to dip down into that well and draw it out as I do. But it takes practice. It's just like going to the gym. If you hadn't been there in 20 years, you got your work cut out for you. But it is achievable. And every time you go, it might be harder to go every time. But when you leave, you're never sad you went. It's the same way with spending time with God in the Word and growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. I found out the provisions and the promises. And I think y'all know what that means. You have to seek out these treasures in here that are hidden there for you and lay claim to them. I also saw that I'm expected to make use of this provision. It's a partnership. And the way we do this is to never forget what has been done for us and to put our complete trust in the one who did it. Didn't Peter say, if, if you're not walking in all these wonderful uh, attributes, then you're nearsighted. You've forgotten what's been done for you. So we come to 1 Corinthians 13, 13. says, Now abide faith, hope, and love. And these three things, but the greatest of these is love. Hmm. All right. So we're digging. We're growing. We, we're wanting the things of God. We're grabbing hold of the things as we come across them. We're learning. We're applying them in our lives. I see that love, that God's kind of love, is not the love I was taught about. Not the love that says, I love you for what you do for me. Matter of fact, God says, that's not even love. <laughs> Uh-oh, I got some unlearning to do. So... 
This love produces sacrificial labor on behalf of others, doesn't it? Wow. And then there's faith, which produces work or action. Faith without works is what? It's dead. Faith is going to produce some things. Faith has feet, doesn't it? Faith is going to do some things. Otherwise, it's dead. And then there's hope. And its main results are stick-to-itiveness, right? Steadfastness, endurance for the race, perseverance. God has been dealing with me right here. That's why I'm dealing with you about it today. Or He's dealing with you through me. Because I'm, I'm totally stoked and excited and reinvigorated. I'm just like Paul was. I preached myself happy. (laughs) When there's something wrong with me, I take this to the maker. And he fixes me. Because the enemy would have you to get into some of those things I described in the beginning of this. Because if he can't get you to ever confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's just going to switch gears and see if he can... Keep you from being effective for Him. And all of those nasty things I listed in the beginning, those titles and and names of things, uh, those are just symptoms of you believing the enemy's lies. I had to learn something. Look at Luke real quick. And then I'm going to get to the message. (laughs) Luke chapter 17. Everybody with me? Y'all find a good spot to say amen. I'll, uh, I'll agree with you. All right. I started reading this one time. And then I heard a man preaching about it. And I realized that was right because I was I started learning about faith and I learned well, was learning it all wrong. I was I was thinking it's what you needed to get some stuff. <laughs> and it might work out that way sometimes. But if that's the motivation, you got a problem. <laughs> because remember, love is key. If 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 any of your motivation is not by love then none of this other stuff profits you. You can learn all about God and how to work the system, <laughs> as it were, but without a pure heart of love for Him and for people, it's it's not going to serve you well. But but this is an interesting place right here because Jesus started talking. He said in this to His disciples, temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to one through whom they come. I learned right there, don't be the stumbling block. You might stumble from time to time, but don't be the stumbling block for somebody else. If you notice that you are, fix that quick. Do it quick. Trust God with it, okay? It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were to cast into the, were to cast it into the sea that he should... Cause then she then he should cause one of these little ones to sin. 
Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Now, this is interesting because all the miracles, all the things that Jesus, I'm not walking on water and casting out crazy demons, producing groceries out of nothing almost, you know, just raising people from the dead. And this is the one place in Scripture where the disciples say, Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> you must forgive everybody, he said. Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> you know, it takes faith to forgive. This is going to be the, one of the biggest draws on your faith. Because you're having to put your complete and total trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The confusion was, I had to learn that, well, just because I forgive somebody doesn't mean I'm endorsing their actions. It just means I'm trusting God with it. He says, I don't miss anything. Trust me. I'm going to deal with it in my way, in my time. You stay out of it. Because I read this. As long as my eyes were on them, his eyes would be on me. And I said, well, and not in a good way, okay? So I learned to take that to heart and to be afraid of doing that to someone. To be afraid of keeping my eyes on them in judgment or in to try to hold them in bondage over something like that because I just had to give it to them, to him, to handle it. Otherwise, I was not going to do well and be successful in the things that he has for me to do. Amen? So that was something that I had to learn. And the, and the motive has to be love, remember. There's a lot of things that are happening in our world. And hope is something that we need to focus on. Christian hope, because it's not the world's kind of hope. And it's imperative to a successful Christian life. Matthew 24 says, because lawlessness has increased, most people's love will grow cold in these times. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. He even goes on to say in Matthew 10 that you'll be hated by everyone because of him, Jesus. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Now, he's getting into some, some, some areas of conflict and, and, uh, and, and problems. You see this beautiful picture on the cover of your bulletin today. That, that, uh, do you think that that guy on that little sailboat might be at peace? He probably is. I mean, I don't know. He could be out of food and water. But it looks like a very serene setting. But God is saying that water is going to get really rough sometimes. And as the end draws near, it could potentially get very rough. And he wants you to know that he's made provision for you. That you could walk in peace in the midst of every storm of your life. And that's what he wants for you. But you really have to build on this relationship that he's calling you to deeper still. 
Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Stand firm, though, and you will win life. Luke 21, 19. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. I'll go further. That you may not judge as others do that you may not hate as others do or covet as others do or sin as others do who have no hope because we always have hope expecting good from God matter of fact the world's hope is really just wishing but godly hope is a confident expectation of good from God and you can have that Moses parted the Red Sea. He was backed up to... to uh, it looked bad, didn't he? Didn't it? Daniel and the lion's den. Looked bad, didn't it? Their accusers thought... No way out for Daniel in this deal. But there was a way out. Because he had God. What about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Under the bed we go, Tavon said. <laughs> In the fiery furnace? How about the resurrection of Lazarus? Looked bad, didn't it? Looked really bad. Jesus was just taking a couple extra days. <laughs> just, just relaxing. Need a little rest. Walking on the water. What about the empty tomb? God's going to work in your situation. That's the point. If you only believe, no matter what God can turn things around. If you put your faith, your hope in Him, He'll put your feet on the path of His perfect will for your life. Your first step is to hope. Before you can totally believe, you have to get your hopes up. You have to be able to envision the thing that you're believing for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Then faith will produce what you hope for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, isn't it? Hebrews 11, 1. Hope comes from the promises of God. Faith is found in the Word. So embrace the hope that God can and will turn any situation around for you that you're wanting to line up with the Word of God. He'll do it. 1 Peter 1, 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded... Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There's some action in there. That's your faith. He's calling you to holiness. That's based on hope. Hope, it was John, 1 John 3, 3. Hope produces purity. So that's the first thing. We need to focus our hope on Christ's return. And it will produce holiness in our lives. All Christian hope should be focused on the return of Jesus Christ. That should be foundational to Christian hope. The second thing is that hope in the return of Jesus Christ will produce freedom in your life from the constraints 
or bondage of time. <coughs> People of the world don't have this eternal view like we do. Hope in Jesus' return liberates us from the prison of time. God created time. He's not in it. Where did God come from? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All the science that they're trying to disprove God with, He created in that first scripture. <laughs> Didn't He? Time, space, and matter. In the beginning, He created time right there. <laughs> God created the heavens, there's space, and the earth, there's matter. <laughs> How can he be controlled by things that he created? <laughs> when someone's hopeless, what can they do? What should they do? First thing is just realize that the source of all hope is the love of God. They need you to tell them about that, don't they? How are they going to hear without a preacher? But that's the source of all hope is the love of God. 2 Thessalonians 2. Write this one down. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 16 and 17. And then we're done. I'm going to read it from this English Standard Version. Now, may our Lord... Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. There's a lot of truths in there. Amen? One is God's love. God loved us and therefore He gave us eternal comfort and good hope by grace. The ultimate power behind everything in the universe is God's love. He is a father. And to know him as a father is to know the kind of hope that we need as Christians. The kind of hope we've been talking about here. Because it is a gift of his love. The hope that we have. It comes from the confidence of His unchanging, undying love for you and for me. And His faithfulness. Every morning I get up and I say, God, thank you for your love and faithfulness. The second thing is that this hope only comes through Christ. I said the source of all hope is God's love, the Father. But that only comes through Jesus Christ, doesn't it? Paul mentions God the Father and Jesus because Jesus is the only channel through which love from God and hope comes into our lives. Isn't it? And the third thing he mentions here is that it's by grace. The hope of God comes by grace. This hope is a gift and we receive it by grace. Paul says God gave us eternal comfort and good hope by grace, didn't he? Grace can't be earned. If it can be earned, it's not grace. So you have to simply receive this hope. You can't try to be good enough to get it. You just have to trust God and receive it from Him through Jesus as a gift. 
The fourth thing is that it's free from time constraints. This is a great thing. This is, I was ministering to someone just the other day about this who just came into relationship with the Lord and he's, he's exploring and growing in the peace that he's received and it's, he goes back and forth. Sometimes it seems very fleeting when you're, when you're new, when you're a baby Christian. And I explained this to him, that it, he's been relieved of all the troubles and constraints of time that are inflicted upon us in this life. Paul says, God has given us eternal comfort. <clears throat> With hope, there is a comfort that goes beyond time. All of our hopes and expectations are not limited by the time that we live in. We, we live in time, but we're not subject to it, just like God isn't. That word eternal is not subject to time, is it? Well, that's what he's given us. <clears throat> We're on a different level now. An eternal plane. Free of the constraints of time. Some of you are looking at me like deer in the headlights. <laughs> am, I, am I making the trip? No, it's true. It's true. Oh, I know it's true. I know it's true. But sometimes you have to chew on these truths until, they, until a light bulb goes on. You know... Because you could take this same message and, and you could go memorize it and preach it. And then about <coughs> a day or two in or a week or a year or five years, you're going to get it yourself. And then you don't, you don't say, uh, uh, you don't give me credit for it anymore because it's yours. God has made it real to you. <coughs> Excuse me. So it's free of time constraints. Paul says God has given us eternal comfort. With hope, there's a comfort that goes beyond time. And all of the expectations that we have, we now don't have to worry and struggle and strive to meet the deadline. <clears throat> it doesn't mean we stop being on time here on earth and, and just get into bad character and all that sort of thing. I'm talking about totally something different. Something that offers you hope and peace. It's a spiritual matter. First Peter 2.9 <coughs> says that you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a king and a priest, a child of God. <coughs> You were adopted into the family, but as an adopted child, you have all the same rights and privileges as the natural born child, Jesus Christ himself. And God holds himself to that. Amen? <clears throat> the fifth thing and the final thing regarding hope is that it pertains to uh, uh, holiness. For this life, it has everything to do with the, the ability to walk in holiness, which is just walking in love. Amen. Let's put it that way so people don't think they're back under the law or something. Holiness is not legalism. Holiness is love. Amen. Hope makes you strong for holy living. After Paul mentions eternal Comfort, 
and the good hope, he says, that God will comfort and strengthen your hearts in every good work, word and work. Honestly, a hopeless person is a weak person, aren't they? In other words, they have no real motivation. And when trials and tribulations come, when things get tough, they have nothing to make them stick it out. There's no use. They just give up. That's how I was. And I'd make an excuse. It wasn't cool anymore to keep trying that. Something stupid. (laughs) They say there's just no use. But someone with eternal hope like you guys, they have strength. They have resolve to withstand the storm. You hold fast and God strengthens your heart through hope. Amen? Jesus has dealt with everything regarding you. Especially the two main things, life and death. (laughs) Will you say that's the two main things? (laughs) For a person, life and death. Any religion, any faith, any philosophy that can't deal with life and then with death is totally inadequate for human needs. That's a fact. Because we all face life and we all face death. The fact is we belong to Jesus. And the truth that Jesus died and rose from the, the dead and became Lord, both of the living and of the dead, that liberates us from the bondage that we had to the old fallen nature and of self-centeredness. Hello. And of time. We're living for Christ. And if we die, we die to Christ. He'll be there to meet us and to receive us lovingly. Into eternity with Him. Amen? So where's the fear in that? If you believe it. Do you believe it? (laughs) We're His responsibility. We don't carry the weight and the worry of this world. We don't have to fix everything. We don't have to make all the arrangements because our lives are His responsibility now. Cast your cares upon Him because what? He cares for you. He cares for you. Obviously, it's a relationship and we have a part to play. And we'll talk about that a lot. That's why we renew our minds to walk in faith and agreement with Him. To learn how to cooperate with His spiritual and natural laws that are in place for our benefit. Amen? David said in Psalm 17, 15, As for me, I shall behold your face. In righteousness. I will be satisfied with your likeness when I awake. You know what he's talking about? Dying. But he ain't sad about it. David's saying, I'm going to pass from this life to the next. But then I'm going to see you, Lord. And I'm going to be with you. And you're going to love me and care for me. I'll be clothed in your righteousness. And be satisfied from God. Isn't that awesome? Have, how many of you are totally satisfied? You can be. 
And more importantly, regarding Christian hope, is you will be. You will be. But you have to put that away in here and don't let the devil steal it. You have to meditate on that until it takes deep root in your heart and bears fruit to where the devil cannot talk you out of any part of your inheritance in God. What a shame it'll be to get to heaven and just learn of all the things you could have done and been and had here in this life. All the good you could have done for the kingdom but you let the devil convince you you weren't good enough. When I was hopeless, I cried out to God and He met me at my point of need. He wants to do the same for everyone in this world who will call out to Him in truth. He loves you and He's faithful. Amen. The scripture says, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. There's your part. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. God is the God of hope. All things are possible with him. Never let your memories be bigger than your dreams. Father, thank you so much for your precious promises, for your love, your salvation. Thank you for the promise of hope that you've given us. Thank you for the love that you shower us with. Thank you for your faithfulness, your provision for every part of our life and eternity. Thank you for your grace through Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for everyone who hears this message and who is here now. Bless them, Lord, and help them to grow in this great hope that we have in you. And to know and be confident of their eternal address with you. And their true identity in you now and the power that they contain in these earthen vessels regarding the things that you have for them to do. We love you, God, and we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and for you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.